I think this is one where practicing is going to be helpful because then the vocabulary is already there. The reflex is already there to stay strong, whatever it might be. And I did at least do that. So we practiced. And I also think it's important to remember that there's different ways to resist peer pressure and words are only one. So while we did practice things like, what would you say if people are gossiping? Mm. What would you you know, can you say, you know what, this isn't really kind. This person isn't here. I'm not going to talk about this person when they're not here. Or we did talk about how would you say no if somebody was offering you alcohol? We talked about that, but words are not the only way to resist. So I would encourage families, yes, practice the words, do a little role playing. You might feel corny, but it's helpful. That being said, Everyone is so different. And I have one who has no problem with using words to resist. And I have one who prefers other techniques. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Raising Adults. Thank you so much for being with us again this week. And if you are new to the laundry room slash coat closet, welcome to the Future Focused Parenting family. We are so glad that you're here and listening to the show. And uh, yeah, we hope that spring is sprung wherever you are (laughs) and then the weather is good because we could all use a little bit of sunshine, I feel like. Am I right? For sure. Yes. How you doing over there? I'm great. I'm back to being chilly. So I'm snuggled in my blanket, snug oh. as a bug in a rug, and which is bizarre because it's like you just said, it seems like spring should be upon spring. us, but I apparently spring has not arrived in my body. It hasn't gotten the memo. Oh my goodness. Have you adjusted to your hair-free lifestyle? I've adjusted pretty beautifully. I mean, I do still startle easily in front of mirrors just because (laughs) it takes a moment to realize that it's me. It's like, who is that? Oh, yes, that's me. But uh, that being said, the getting ready time in the morning is fab. Yeah, I can imagine. That would be so nice. Yeah, it is literally wash and go. Like there's no, there's just no effort right now. And I know that'll change eventually. So I'm just going to enjoy this part (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's not going to be the case forever. But yeah, for now, super simple. I love it. I love it. And you have been telling our listeners your resolution for every month. So we didn't really get a chance to talk about it last episode. So what is May? Yeah, that's true. We had a guest and so it was important to let her share. But yeah, so for May, I'm working on my mouth again. My mouth. Oh. It's such a frequent Mouthy topic. May. The <laughs> mouth for May. The May mouth. May. And isn't it so funny? Like you you start to see the themes for Kira and I, don't you listeners? Like the things that we <laughs> work on repeatedly that circle back around. Well, yes, my mouth is one for me. So it's it's not like sailor level, but I just feel like there's been some swearing on the outside. And I'm a terrible influence on you. This is the problem. <laughs> You're not. It, it, you can't blame you. the Christmas ornament. You can't. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you're new to the show, I got Dina an explicit <laughs> Christmas ornament this year. For you Christmas. sure did. 
But yeah, I rubbed off on you, maybe not in a good way. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm going to focus on it in May and keep the naughty words to myself. <laughs> it doesn't, I'm being real. It doesn't mean I won't think them, but I'm yeah, going, going to, inside. yes, I'm going to endeavor not to say them. So there you go. That's me. I'll say them for you. I will, I will lovingly take all those oh, words and make, and make sure they come you. out of my mouth instead. <laughs> Kira, that is so thoughtful and selfless of you. <laughs> yes. It'll and be hard, we, Dina. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate you pitching in. I mean, yeah. really way to take one for the team, Kira. <laughs> My pleasure. And we also have a new member. We do. Shout out to Hillary. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so happy to have you on board and part of the Future Focused Parenting family. So grateful to all of our members. Really, truly, like we can't tell you how much membership helps us. It literally keeps the podcast afloat. And we are so incredibly grateful for every single one of our members, whatever level you've joined, just for showing up and joining us and reaping some of the fun benefits that come with membership. But really, ultimately, membership is an opportunity to acknowledge the work that we're doing on the show. And we do a lot of it. It's a lot of work. And we love it. And we love being here every week with you guys. But we just are so grateful to the members who've found a way to honor that work and and told us that it's valuable to them. Because really, we don't hear anything, do we, Dina? No. (laughs) It goes out into the ether. (laughs) Exactly. We have no idea. Every time a member joins, we're like, oh, people are listening and they like the show. So thank you, Hillary, for joining us. We're really happy to have you. Yeah, this is truly listener supported. This is literally <laughs> what this is. So and membership this podcast just is brought to you by members like you. That's right. <laughs> brought to you by you. By you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we got a good topic today. And this actually came up in one of our VIP member calls. So if, if you become a member at that top level, once a month, you get a live call with Dina and I and the little family that we've created of our VIP members. And you get to show up and ask a parenting question, whatever's on your mind that month, and we will answer it for you. And it's it's a really, it's a beautiful group. It really does feel like a family. We laugh a lot and great questions. Everybody kind of benefits from everybody's questions. Um, but one of the topics that came up was peer pressure. And we were like, that's a great topic. We need to talk about that. So we're actually doing an entire episode on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like I don't have a ton to bring to today because we are just hitting the age where this is becoming a thing. And, you know, thanks to COVID, it's not like my kids have been surrounded by other children lately. <laughs> right. It's so, hard to have peer pressure when there haven't been peers. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so really I, hard. I suspect we would have seen actually a lot of it this year. I think third grade is kind of from my recollection, the year where a lot of this starts, but we haven't seen a lot of it because we've been at home. So, um, I mean, we can definitely start with our whys, but I'm going to yeah. let Dina kind of talk about her experience. And and we sort of chatted briefly before we hit record that it's also really about how do you apply the future-focused parenting philosophy to this topic? Because it's really going to serve you well here. So maybe we could even go over those three pillars today, Dina, as well for mm-hmm. new listeners and and then kind of dive in. So let's start with whys, though. Tell me your why for peer pressure. <laughs> well, as with many things, this why came from my own experience. I feel like as a teen in particular, I did better in my younger years, but as a teen in particular, I didn't do great at standing up to peer pressure. I really had a lot of concern about what people thought about me. And I think everybody deals with that to some extent, but I really cared a lot that people weren't mad at me or didn't dislike me. And so I think I gave in 
maybe more than a typical person would have. And so this was an opportunity to be really future focused. I wanted to be just like we say, preventative, proactive, all of those things so that my kids could feel really great about standing up for themselves, standing up for their integrity, standing up for their values and what they believe in and what they think is right and wrong and less fearful about the consequences of that. Because I think a lot of giving in to peer pressure really stems from the fear of what will happen if I say no. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Big time. I remember that feeling (laughs) growing up. Yeah. How about you? Well, you know, I think that ultimately, and I wouldn't say this was a value I was aware that I held when I became a mom, but what has developed over the year for me, over the years for me, is a real passion for raising adults who are not afraid to stand up for social justice and for what's right in the world. And I actually think that that skill set is um, created in teenage years and in youth, because that's really a time when peer pressure is strong and where standing up for what you believe in is pretty hard. And so for me, I think it's partially that I want them to find their own voice. I want them to feel good about who they are and what they think and to not kind of be swayed by, you know, the whims of other people. But ultimately, I think it's really about I want them when they're adults to know how to stand up even if it's uncomfortable, call out a racist comment at a party and not be afraid to do that. Well, you you can't be really afraid of peer pressure, right? You can't really be afraid of what are people going to think? Kind of what you were saying, right? You have to be willing to say, actually, my value system is stronger than my fear. Um, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of, I think, where it comes from for me or what I'm hoping, hoping to instill as we cross into this territory, because as I said, we're not really there yet. Mm. So... Yeah. I love that sentence. (laughs) The value system being stronger than the fear. That's so great because something has to win, right? So this is about laying the foundation so the value system wins and the fear doesn't win out. Yeah. Because I think, you know, when we think about peer pressure, it's so multifaceted, right? Like there's, there's the things that I do to fit in, but also the things I don't do to fit in. And we talk about in our family all the time, silence is violence, right? Doing nothing. And you and I have talked about this. Doing nothing is still doing something. It's permitting, Mm -hmm. right? And so if I'm going to raise adults who don't let things go that are willing to stand up for what they believe in, well, they have to learn that starting now, right? So so tell everyone what this has been like for you and how you've applied the values. Because as I said, that's that's it. That's me done today. (laughs) (laughs) Those Kira's nugget. No rabbit trails. I don't Let think your value your system way. win over the fear. My, mic drop. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I mean, I look, I can't even make a sentence. I feel like this hasn't been maybe a huge issue in our family, but I do think there's some reasons for that that I can't take credit for. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But what we did do that is future focused is... And I think this is a principle that would apply across the board. So if you're listening and you haven't hit this phase yet, or you're like, what can I even do to be thinking about preventative tools? It's really, we talk about rehearsing a lot. And I think this is one where practicing is going to be helpful because then the vocabulary is already there. The reflex is already there to stay strong, whatever it might be. And I did at least do that. So we practiced. And I also think it's important to remember that there's different ways to resist peer pressure and words are only one. So while we did practice things like, what would you say if people are gossiping? 
Mm. What would you, you know, can you say, you know what, this isn't really kind. This person isn't here. I'm not going to talk about this person when they're not here. Or we did talk about how would you say no if somebody was offering you alcohol? We talked about that, but words are not the only way to resist. So I would encourage families, yes, practice the words, do a little role playing. You might feel corny, but it's helpful. That being said, everyone is so different. And I have one who has no problem with using words to resist. And I have one who prefers other techniques. And so we did talk about other things like you could just walk away. That is an option for you. Mm -hmm. And for some people that actually feels better. It still sends a very strong message that I'm not participating in what's going on here, but without maybe some of the discomfort of a flat out refusal, if somebody's offering you something, or maybe the words just don't come easily and there's some gossip going on and you don't quite know how to diffuse it. And so I I just encourage families with that because I think words, I mean, I love them. I'm a word nerd, but they aren't the only way. And and I think we also have to look at friends. Another way we can resist is sometimes we have to look at the group. Like you just brought up a great example of, you know, if you hear a racist comment at a party, yes, you want to raise the adult who's not afraid to speak up. But beyond that, I mean, if you're finding yourself speaking up regularly, it yeah. might be time to evaluate the group. <laughs> the group, right? Absolutely. I love that. That's such a good So point. we did talk about that too, because I think who we're around is going to impact how much we even have to do this. Mm-hmm. If we're with people who are aligned with us and, and even young children can learn to be a great friend and to select great friends, and that does change the climate here. And I and so that's why I'm saying I don't think I can take credit for that part. I think some of the environments that Sienna and Mark have been in have been less conducive to peer pressure. Certainly, they've been in really small environments, small private school groups that were very accepting and loving, you know, their theater groups, their track teams, things like that. We've been pretty fortunate mm-hmm. that those have been great settings. Now, have we had things like this come up? Absolutely. But I think it's been less and not necessarily just because of Dina's amazing parenting. So I'm just just saying that and admitting it. So I do think rehearsal, though, is great for just practicing those words so that they're ready. It's like when you practice trick-or-treating, you talk about that all the time. Then the words are right there, accessible. There's that muscle memory built in. It's not going to be hard to be kind and say thank you when they compliment your costume and remember to say happy Halloween and thank them for the candy. That's not going to be difficult because it's there and it's accessible. Well, the same goes for, you know, what is really uncomfortable for me when we talk about my friend when she's not here, can we change the subject? Those words are going to be more readily available if you've practiced. Another thing that can be really helpful with this is rather than the diversion of the conversation, adding something that squelches it naturally. So For instance, in the case of gossip, one thing that I taught my children to do was say something kind about the person being talked about. Mm -hmm. It shuts it down real quick without even having to be confrontational. It's like, well, I've actually found that she's really diligent. I love when I'm in a study group with her, (laughs) you know, whatever. It's amazing what that does when people are trying to be snarky and all of a sudden someone throws in something great. Like, oh my goodness, that time that she helped that little boy when he fell down at the playground. Oh my goodness. I wish I was as helpful as that. I can learn a lot from her. Oh, <laughs> you know, crickets. <laughs> okay, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. So those things definitely came up. I'm not saying we never dealt with it, but I think sometimes environment is is a factor and that that's not just because 
of parenting techniques. So the rehearsal is great, but and I think it's not everything. Reminds me of our friendship episode that we did, and mm, we can yes. actually uh, link to that in the show notes here because we really talked a lot about exactly what you're saying. How do we teach our kids to be good friends and to pick good friends and yeah. spot good friends? And I think you're a hundred percent right. When I think about the places I felt peer pressure, it actually wasn't with the people who ended up being the right friends for me. It was, you know, those people never made me feel pressured. They just loved me for who I was and whatever choices I was making. They were very yes. supportive. So I think yes. that's a great point. And that's and that's a hard point, though, too, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, I think even with youngers, but certainly when you have longer established friendships, I've got one still in high school. If I were to suggest switching a friend at this point, that would actually be really traumatic. Yeah. But I think even as adults, sometimes we forget that's actually an option for us. Mm -hmm. If that person isn't helpful and contributing and supportive of the things that matter to you and your value system, uh, we change hairdressers. We change which restaurants we go to. Sometimes in your life, it might be necessary to weed your friendship garden. (laughs) Like that's just... (laughs) I love that image. Sometimes it's got to happen. Got to get those dandelions out. So that's a hard truth, but I think it relates to peer pressure because if you're experiencing that over and over, it's like, well, is that really a good friend? You're right. It links perfectly to that episode because we talk about asking those questions. How does that person make you feel? Is that how a friend should make you feel? There's a key link there because if you're feeling pressured and stressed and that you're going along with things that really make you feel icky inside or that you know are wrong, is that how a friend should make you feel? It's really a fair question. Hey, Raising Adults listeners and future-focused parents, our valuable FFPs, we just wanted to talk to you for a moment about our membership program. And we love having our listeners join membership and just really join the FFP family. We love having you be a part of this in a more involved way. And so we just want to highlight the three levels of membership. The first is only $5 a month, literally the cost of a nice cup of coffee. And it's really just your way of kind of giving us a tip, like you would tip your barista or your server. If the podcast content has been helpful to you and you would like to just say a thank you, it's just $5 a month. Super accessible and it does get you some things. Don't worry. You're not just giving us a tip and not getting anything. It makes you eligible for on-air coaching calls. You get that calendar of character traits that we've talked so much about and can really help you build your family's value list. You also get half off all digital resources and we'll of course shout you out on the podcast. If you'd like to go up a level at the $10 a month level, you get all the things I just described, but you also have access to Future Focused in Five, which is an amazing video and audio library of quick, short, accessible parenting topics. We cover a topic and give you some strategic tips in five minutes or less, and you can access those by video, but we know you're podcast listeners, so if you prefer to listen, there's an audio version as well. And in that final tier, which is $20 a month, you get access to us. You get a monthly call with Q&A with Dina and I to ask any parenting questions that have come up that month. You get to connect with other FFPs in a private Facebook group, and you get access to all of our online content, all of our digital resources totally for free. So if you've been interested in any of those, this is a great way to get in. So do check out all the different membership tiers that are available to you. We'd love to have you be a part of the FFP family. You can join us by going to futurefocusedparenting.com and click on the membership tab. We really hope you'll join us soon. Well, and I think you said something really interesting that we should point out, which is that 
that feeling you get on the inside. I yes. feel like teaching our kids to trust their gut, because I know mine was always right every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel good, there's a reason your body is cueing you. There's a reason you're getting that physical cue that something isn't quite right and to listen to that and trust that so that not only will they make a great decision in the moment, but that gut reaction is going to get stronger and better and more efficient and effective the more you trust it, right? The more that it kind of helps guide you. I think so. And I think, unfortunately, we sometimes actually get taught the opposite. We get taught to kind of squash that down and to just push through. Maybe not in this exact scenario with peer pressure, but I know even as adults, it's like, well, of course, sometimes that doesn't feel great, but you just got to do it. And that's poppycock. So I think... (laughs) Being taught to trust our radar is so important because radar can literally save your life. And we talk a lot about parent radar in our house, like just my mom radar is up. Well, my mom radar has been pretty great over the years. So I think you're exactly spot on. We've got to teach them to listen to that. If something makes you feel yucky or you know that it wouldn't be in alignment with what you've been taught and what feels good to you and what you know your family cares about, that's worth listening to. I think it's also important to pay attention to how it would feel if other people were around. Because mm-hmm. I do think kids get kind of more susceptible to peer pressure when they're away from their parents. A couple of factors. One is parental influence is away. So they're at someone else's house, say, uh, for a sleepover. Another one is time of day. Truth is nighttime is tricky. It is Mm -hmm. just easier. Our defenses are down. Younger kids, even younger teens are more tired. And so they will not make as great of decisions. But also there is something about just even like the cover of darkness. It feels like you can get away with things. Mm -hmm. And when you're away from your parental influence, that is tricky. So I think parents need to pay attention to that too. And that's why we have things like check-ins and can you call me and why some families have curfews and I need to know that you're home at a certain time because nighttime and away from those things matters. Another thing we would just have our kids you know, think about is, would you be doing the same thing if I were there? And mm-hmm. that can be really powerful. My parents, it was the three Ps. Would you do this in front of your parents, the police, or your pastor? <laughs> and they used to actually ask me that. And, wow. and so it was... and. It, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't great at the three Ps. I still was just, <laughs> I was just still naughty. Like I snuck out and I was just a deviant. But, but really, my kids are just gems most of the time. But I do know that they're not always thinking about, would I be behaving the same way in front of my parents? And then they can think about their family because we've created that team dynamic. Like you have literally Team Dorian over there. The team dynamic matters. And so Mm -hmm. hopefully some of the things that we care about as a family, my children have started to care about independently as Mm -hmm. young adults. So there is something to be said for thinking about those things. Now, are they going to have to get to where they just would do that on their own anyway? Absolutely. But with kids, that sometimes can be a helpful reminder. You know, you're away from your parents, you're 14, you're at a party, Wow, if if mom walked in right now, would I feel really comfortable about the way I'm behaving? I mean, that's yeah. sometimes here's what happens with parenting a lot of the time. It's like the funnel. A lot of times the external support is what's helpful earlier on and then they become their own internal support. 
And so when you're first thinking about these things, that's where the external piece comes in. It's like thinking about your environment and they have to be trained to think like that. They're not going to do it automatically. Well, and it's hard too, because to a certain extent, first and foremost, it's age appropriate to be exploring outside the boundaries of what your parents have set out for you. And I also think, and I think you would agree with this, it's actually important that they do because we, we want them to come back to the values that we've given them on their own. And they can't do that if they're just like blindly following us, right? So there's this really interesting fine line between dipping a toe outside of things because they're trying to find themselves and their own place in the world and what do I actually think and caving into peer pressure because they care what other people think. And to me, that's the distinction. It's about what's happening on the inside for them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're feeling like you need to test the waters and you're feeling like you need to push boundaries, like I get that. I actually, I kind of need you to do that too. But yeah. I don't want you to do it because you're worried about what other people are going to think. I want you to do it because you want to do it, <laughs> if that exactly. makes sense, right? Yeah. No, actually, I'm so glad you said that because I think that clarifies what I was saying, which was clear as mud, is that there's a little middle time. So there's young kid time where you really, really are just kind of following along because they're not having all that autonomy and independence of thought. And then there's this situation later where there is autonomy and independence of thought. And we really hope that we've instilled those things that now they own. And what I was describing is the middle and that there is a middle where we really want to get to that adult that doesn't care what other people think. And then there's this middle part where we can help them by reminding them, what does my family think? And that's where they're slowly moving from my family owns it when I'm six, I own it when I'm 18. There's kind of this middle where just remembering that can be helpful because they don't yet totally know what they think and they're exploring and they're figuring it out. And you're 100% right that they actually need to do that in order to eventually own their own set of values. I love that image of, you know, you, the parent owns it when they're little, they own it when they're adults. And then this this blurry middle ground where it's, who owns it? Here, it's yours. No, it's yours. No, it's, you know, like almost like a ball being tossed back and forth, right? That's hard. Yeah, it is really hard. It's a hard season for them too. I think it would behoove us to go over the three pillars of the philosophy and talk really quickly just about as parents, how you can apply that to this topic. That seems smart. Yeah. So the three pillars of the future-focused parenting philosophy, for those of you that are new, for those of you that aren't new, the very first one is to figure out your why. We talk about that a lot on the show, understanding the why behind the what or the how. And so helping your kids to figure out their own why, right, is going to be really helpful in this situation. And I think that rehearsal piece, I love that you said it because helping them go, okay, in this particular situation, drugs at a party as an example, what's my why behind the choice I want to make? And now I'm going to practice making it so that I'm that much more prepared and informed in the moment. I'm not kind of doing it on the fly. The second pillar is that you're operating from your values. And you know, we suggest actually making a list. But as it relates to peer pressure, if you're operating from your values, it is easier to understand in our family, what are the things that we would go along with gladly? What are the things where we might have to think twice? And what are the things where this really doesn't match for us? And if you have values as a family and you've been imparting those since your kids are just wee little ones, then it's going to be easier to practice and rehearse, hey, this is what's important to us. So here's why we might say no to this, or here's why we might not go along with that. You're definitely operating out of that why and then those values. And I think that helps kids to even learn what what is worth standing up for and what is just a okay. 
Yep, absolutely. And then the final pillar is to take a proactive approach, which is exactly what Dina was saying, which is please have these conversations before your kids are going to hit these milestones of peer pressure. Do some rehearsing. Do some talking about it so that they're prepared, you're prepared. And, you know, look, kids are going to they're going to get this wrong. That's just inevitable. Um, And also take a proactive approach to what happens when they get it wrong. How are you going to handle that? What are you going to do? What conversations are you going to have? How can you normalize that for them? Even in those conversations about how to get it right, how can you normalize, you know, you might mess this up and that's okay too. Like I'm going to love you anyway and we're going to talk about it and figure out how to do it better next time. So taking those three pillars and just applying it to this particular topic, that's kind of, you know, what it would look like. Thank you. Thank you for saying that last part because I actually literally had written down that I wanted somebody to mention, you know, what do we do when they do give in? Because it's a when, it's not an if. There will at least be one time, even if it's something small and seems piddly, where they know they went along with the crowd and didn't feel great about it. And you've got to have resources available for how to handle that and that they know you love them and accept them and support them no matter what. And we all make mistakes and it's okay. And it might be something small, like, you know, I joined in with gossip today. Can we talk about that? It could be something big, like they need to call you from a party mm-hmm. because they're under the influence, but they've got to know they can call you. Yep. So you've got to talk about, okay, what happens when that goes sideways? So thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. And I just want to say as a final encouragement to please remember parents that peer pressure can also be positive. Mm-hmm. There is some great peer pressure in the world where friends are spurring each other on to great things and to kindness and to empathy and to support and even logistics. Like my son has a group of friends that they are constantly like, what'd you get on the test? And it's because they all really care about their academics. It's not it's not anything nefarious. They just really spur each other on to be their best in the classroom. And mm-hmm. I appreciate that, yeah. especially from young developing young men like who easily can get into this kind of season of like, let's just blow off school. And they're Mm -hmm. quite the opposite. And they're just, I love it. I love the encouragement to him. And it actually is a great segue kind of to the quote I picked for today, because we have to remember these things can be great or they can be hard and we want to be prepared for both. But often what is actually in conflict with peer pressure is what I believe versus my relationships. Well, that's a hard thing, isn't it? We care about our relationships and we're forming what we believe as young people, at least our kids are. And so I just loved this quote by, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce this person's name, but Matshona Diliwahu, maybe? Wayo? Diliwayo? Not sure. But I love it because it, it captures that dichotomy well. And this is what it says. Don't downgrade your dreams to upgrade your relationships. Mm. Oh, really wow. captures it. Yeah. Peer pressure that. is a lot about that. Like I'll set aside my dreams to keep my friends. Yes. Right. So. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that piece up that peer pressure can be positive. We, we actually societally rely on it in, in a lot of really positive yes! ways. Right. right. Um, so I, I love, I love that idea of talking to our kids about that piece too. Like being able to tell the difference between positive peer pressure and negative peer pressure. So Awesome. Thank you so much, Dina, for everything you brought to the table today. I really, I appreciate it. I got a lot out of it too. (laughs) I love when that happens. have a toolbox now. But listeners, thank you for being with us today and for joining us for another episode of Raising Adults. We're so happy that you're here. And if you like the show, we do ask if you have just a moment today to write us a positive review. It is amazing what a difference those reviews make to our relevancy, to how we show up 
for other people to find us, to our statistics. I mean, it's just, it's kind of bananas how one review can help. So if you haven't yet reviewed the show, we'd be so grateful for a five-star review. And um, if you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button because then you never miss an episode. And we're just so grateful to all of you who have already done that. And to all of our listeners, you guys are amazing. You're why we show up every week. So thank you. Thank you. Have an amazing week and we will be back with you next Monday. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room and partially in Dina's coat closet. Editing by Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks for listening. <laughs>